This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Yo, what is happening? It's Mr. Adam X, your host, Pursuit Podcast on the Auto Collective. Tuesday, February 21st is when I'm recording this. You're probably listening on Wednesday, the 22nd. Low tides here on the uh, on the West Coast, East Coast. Low tides on the East Coast. High tides on the West Coast. I think I think tides are going to change. I think we're going to see the East Coast get pummeled in the next couple weeks. With that being said, I'm heading west. The van is heading west. Let's ski. Let's go mountain bike. Let's have some fun. A couple of sponsors this week before we get into the episode. Title sponsor, you guys know them, you love them. Fisher Skis, fishersports.com. I got to actually ride the Ranger 108 in some deep powder. Dude, this ski is so good. Genuinely. I don't know. I don't have any buzzwords like supple, agile. It's just good. It's super fun. I hit jumps on it. I rode a foot of powder on it. I ripped chunder on it. It was so much fun. It's like, this might be my daily now. I might just be that guy skiing Ranger 108s daily because I love the ski so much. Head over to fishersports.com. Check them out. My second sponsor this week, Rumple Blankets. Man, having a blanket sponsor is probably the coolest thing on the planet. But the other cool thing is that I use this thing every day in the van. Literally every day. Products that you use every day. And if I owned a house, I would bring the blanket from the van into the house. From the campfire to the house. This thing is like, it's the ultimate adventure tool. I fly with it. I wrap it around me like a cape. I wear it like a shirt. Rumple.com. Check them out. Their blankets, their towels, their team of athletes. Insane. Head on over to Rumple.com. Check it out. Okay. My guest this week, Sophia Forsman. Guide? Heli guide? Ski guide? Hiking guide? Founder of a scholarship? Amazing human? Someone who gives back? This conversation was an absolute riot. I say that about all my episodes. But we talk about her worst client ever. And that alone is worth listening to this episode. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Sophia, thank you for your time. And without further ado, here, hold up. I think this might be episode 100. 100 episodes, people. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued support. I love you. Enjoy the episode. Who is Sophia to Sophia? Oh, um, well, I'm a guide. And I think it's like, it's the one thing I really identify as the last like decade. I've like literally dedicated my entire life, all my savings, time, money, relationship, just to like being a ski guide. Um, yeah, so that's very much what I would say identify as. And then, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that comes with it. Like people 
people usually want to put you into like a mold but I feel like I feel like a bit of a hybrid <laughs> like I'm I guess I'm a professional skier technically by definition although I don't know if I feel like one I'm a ski guide I just love being in nature love people yeah yeah I, I googled you and it said like you are a I think it said a Swiss army knife or, or a multi-tool of the the outdoor industry. You're a guide, you're a skier, you, you know, you created, you're a founder and we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit of what you are a founder of, but it kind of seems like you don't fit into a mold, which is great. Yeah. I don't feel like, you feel like early in like my career, people wanted to fit me into a mold. And like, I remember like, being on a photo shoot with someone who was like, okay, well, you just have to choose. Like, are you going to be a professional skier? Are you going to be a ski guide? Are you going to be a hiking guide? Like, which one are you going to be? And I, like, was so confused because I was just like, I didn't realize I had to pick and choose. Like, can I just be me? Can I just be at all? I'm just going to do what I like to do. And then, unfortunately, I, like, I listened to that quite a lot because it was someone I really looked up to, like, early in my career. And someone who was like a big no name in the industry. And I was like, okay, okay, I got to like choose and I got to like go hardcore. Like, you know, I can't like, like chilling and watching Netflix and like going up <laughs> at 2am and doing Alpine starts. Like I had to choose. I couldn't do both, but I'm like, but that's not me. I like love going full tilt and then doing nothing for a month. And I think, I think the athlete has changed, right? Like we can, well, I'm saying we like I'm an athlete, but you can wear multiple hats and you can not just only be a pro skier, but also, you know, a certified guide and a um, you know, like, I don't know, a creator or a like it's so many things now, which sometimes I think is really good. That's changed our industry. Like so many of the pro skiers I talk to are like, oh, I'm also the producer and I wrote all the music for my thing. And you're like, oh, that's great. But it's also like, do we need to wear all these hats? So like, how do you manage it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's hats that you're trying to wear just to like feel like you're a versatile person, then I don't think we need to wear that many hats. Like, I feel like people are trying to like overperform and overproduce all the time. And like, there's a lot of pressure to be like super versatile, but I just like, just be you, just like do what feels right, do what feels good. And if you're like into something for two years and then it changes, then like, cool, sweet, well, life evolves. That's just normal. Yeah. So what did, I don't wanna go too far back cause I normally don't on the, on the podcast, but I think it's important. How was this, like, what was younger you doing? Did you play team sports? Were you always drawn to the outdoors? Like, how did this yeah. kind of come to life here? I like really bad team sport player. Like, I did never <laughs> understood the point of like soccer. I would like pick up the ball and be like, okay, hey, we're chasing this thing. Like, I got it now. Like, stop the game. Game over. <laughs> I like did not get the gist of it. Um, I actually grew up dancing like professionally at the opera as a ballerina for like 18 years and then went to law school and then kind of got depressed and then realized that skiing was like the one thing that we've done as a family that I just absolutely loved. So I went from skiing like one week a year 
to just like the next year becoming a ski instructor and then the next year study guiding school. So it like, I like flipped my life over from yeah, being that... like a city girl doing that to just like, I'm going to be a ski guide now. It looks really hard. Cool. I'm into it. So did you think that being, you said that you were a ballerina, right? Yeah. Like, did you think that was going to be your life? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then I was too heavy, turned out. And I like discipline. I loved the discipline, but like I was pretty bad at listening. <laughs> well, it sounds like, I mean, I've only <laughs> talked to you for five minutes, but it sounds like you've always done what you wanted. But I think like everyone listening should just be taking notes. Like you can pivot. You did something for 18 years. Like you almost had a pension at in being a ballerina, being a professional dancer. And then you pivoted and it sounds like then you went to law school and then that wasn't the answer. So you pivoted again and just started skiing and like started as a ski instructor. Yeah, totally. I think like I've always had like really, really supportive parents and they know me. So they know that like if I'm going to choose to do something, it's like I'm going 100% in or I'm not doing it. So when I told them that like, I was going to quit dancing because I wanted to like focus on my career and become a lawyer. And then like they could see that that didn't make me happy and that didn't make that made them kind of like anxious, obviously. Well, maybe it's not obvious, but my parents are great like that. So so when I told them I wanted to become a ski guide, my dad was basically like, well, that's great. But like, don't come back to your certified mountain guide. Like if you want to really switch then like. Yeah, if you're going to do it, it, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Is like yeah. one of my favorite quotes. Um, totally. Yeah. And we had that on the wall growing up, literally, like in the kitchen above the kitchen table. Like that was the quote of my family. That's amazing. That's, yeah. I can say it all day, but it doesn't mean I live by it. I should, but I definitely don't. I definitely half ass a lot of things. My, yeah. This is an off the cuff question, but are your feet worse now from ski boots or when you were a ballerina? Now they're kind of just like, well, they were like morphed from my ballerina shoes. So they fit perfectly into ski boots, actually, because they were already like tight, you know. And then ski boots gave me bunny and some frostbite instead. So definitely like a steady downhill, steady <laughs> decrease in my in my foot modeling career. Yeah, you didn't have a good start. And now it's just progressively gotten worse because you just live in <laughs> ski boots. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, why guiding? Like, why was that? Like, I love skiing. I don't want to be a guide. That's not yeah. something that like what what made you be like, OK, I want to because guiding to me is like I'm going to take all these people to the best snow on earth. But I don't necessarily get to like it's not about you. It's about them. And like you get to ski good snow for sure. But yeah, totally. I mean, I think for me, guiding was like the epitome of skiing. It was like the people who like I look up to really had it figured out for guides. And it's like, it's actually super versatile. You get to work with people. You get to like bring people out on their vacation. You get to like help people enjoy the outdoors. But then there's like a lot of other things to it, right? It's like, it's really hard to be a really good guide you need to like learn to read maps really well and terrain really well and you need to like listen to your intuition and read weather really well and like you know you get basically become like 
you know, a super novice meteorologist, like you need to learn to read weather really well, but then you also need to like understand mapping really well. And then you also need to like be a psychologist to people while you're out there. You need to like be really good with people and you need to like also ski. And for me, like, I just like, just skiing wasn't enough. And like, I don't come from like a ski background where I'm like, have good like aerial awareness or anything. Like for me, I was like, I couldn't sit still and like hit the same jump over and over again until I landed my backflip. I was basically like, okay, I landed a backflip, next thing, next thing, what's next? So like, yeah, I didn't have that like repetition ability in me. So for me, like guiding was like, it's always new, it's always fresh, you're always learning. And that was like, ideally, I think what I was looking for, otherwise, I'm gonna get bored. So guiding was kind of just like, it's never the same. And every day you go out there, it's gonna be different. And every day you're like questioning your abilities and questioning like whether you actually belong there and like, what do you know enough? And yeah, it was just, it kept me kept my brain always turned on and I function all that way. How much, and you can, you can answer this or not, but how much money does it cost upfront to become a certified guide? And I know there's probably a billion different levels, but let's just say for sake of the conversation, like, that I can take out a group of four people or six people. I don't know how you limit it. Yeah. Or what, but like, what is the investment that we're looking at to get into this? Because I think people think that you just like, oh, you're a good skier and you know what you're talking about. You're a guide. Like, it's not that simple. No. So like in Canada, it's very different than the, the U.S., right? Um, so if you want to become a certified guide here, it's about like 20 grand up front in like avalanche courses and weather courses and like the ecology style, like avalanche courses and terrain reading and ski guiding and ropes courses and and rescue courses. And then you're an apprentice guide. And then, you know, on top of that, you're like eating tuna out of your like Hyundai or like Civic, <laughs> like in a parking lot. So you don't have to pay for like you know, like renting a space anywhere just so you can go skiing every day to get the mileage that you need to be a ski guide because that's like ideally what makes you into a good guide, not all the courses. It's like the mileage under your belt. So, yeah, What's, it's not cheap. <laughs> what is the hardest part of like getting oh, into it? Sticking with it, sticking with it for sure. Like I applied to be, to get my apprentice guide cert um, to do the program for four years and got waitlisted twice then it blew my knee and then I got into the program and then my knee wasn't good still so I like deferred a year and then COVID hit so it took me like six years to go from like I have all the prerequisites and I have enough knowledge to like actually becoming an apprentice ski guide which was an insane journey in its own but like I got I came out the other end with like way more knowledge and I think a healthier attitude towards what skiing and ski guiding is. But yeah, the hardest part is for sure you're sticking with it because like everyone struggles to get in. Like the availability for guides courses doesn't meet the demand for guides. So like, yeah, 
it's really hard to get into the program and it takes a lot of years. And then like, if you get hit with like, you know, like loss over loss, like I didn't have any wins for so many years. So it was like five years with like consecutively, like life versus Sophia was like five to zero. And I was like, oh my oh. God, <laughs> this is like, and like the amount of times my parents were like, so you sure you don't want to like come back to Sweden? You know, we have great benefits in this really good country and school is free. And like, why are you spending all this money and your time of life, like paying for something <laughs> that like you can do for free here? And I was like, definitely like questioned it every year. But that also means that like now I'm like, I absolutely love what I do and there is no changing what I, what I want to do with my life. Yeah. I mean, it's a master's degree. It's, it took you six years. I mean, you could have, you know, went to four years for your undergrad and then got a master's in that time. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in living in a car and eating tuna. Yeah. And you're still, you still have more to learn, right? Like there's still. Yeah, exactly. So I'm an apprentice ski guide now, and then at the end of this year, I'm going to challenge my full ski guide exam. So let's talk about this RMU scholarship. You're the founder. You ski for RMU skis. Um, you clearly went through, you know, living in your Hyundai and your Civic, uh, eating cans of tuna. <laughs> so you've obviously worked with brands that you work with and came up with this this scholarship. What yeah, exactly. Um, well, so RMU, one of my best friends started skiing for RMU, and then like she was kind of telling me about it, and I was skiing for a brand, and but kind of looking to change. And uh, they started chatting with me, and and they've just been an amazing brand. Like their yeah, their whole idea about community is is really huge, and they believed in me when I like was pretty very green to the industry and um yeah what's kind of interesting for me is like like there's a lot like ski getting or like being a professional skier is like kind of absurd if you think about it <laughs> like we're just like you know like oh i get paid to just go and ski all day and it's like for me like my journey has been like very different where it's been a lot of like battling so like yeah, I'm just trying to utilize the position that I'm in. Like, I'm in such an entitled position where I'm, like, getting all this support and people believing in me. And, like, I know how hard it can be to, like, make it in the industry, especially if you don't come, like, from a very privileged position already in life. Like, it's hard to put all this money and time towards, like, becoming a ski guide. So I kind of, like, um, started chatting with RMU about, how we can best give back to the community and started running this series called the Backcountry Enabler Series, which is like a three-part avalanche awareness seminar. And and that was kind of like, I'd become an apprentice ski guide and then COVID hit. And then suddenly I'm like, oh great, I'm certified. And I spent all this money at becoming a ski guide. Now I don't have a job because COVID. <laughs> so I was kind of just like, what am I doing with my life? And then was trying to find a way to like keep my brain entertained and switched on and started running this like three part of an avalanche awareness seminar just as a way to like share the knowledge and give education back to people because like the knowledge that I teach is basically like 
at recreational level one and two avalanche course, which is like 500 bucks a course, but you can pay 10 bucks and you can get a free beer and you can come and, uh, and do the seminar with me instead. And then, um, yeah, tons of people that are coming to it. And now three years later, um, there was a beer brand called Steamworks Brewery in Whistler, or sorry, in Vancouver. And um, this guy, Louis in Whistler, had come to my seminars and he like reached out and he was basically like, I really like what you're doing. Like, how can we help you help other people? So together with them and Stellar Equipment, we created the RME Scholarship, which is now the biggest scholarship in Canada for anyone who wants to become a, a certified ski guide. So it's 2,500 bucks and it gives you um it gives you an ambassador level like sponsorship as well so it gives someone not just money but it gives them gear as well and it gives them like that community support support that you can have like from coming into the store all the time and chatting at rmu and then mentoring from me because like i guess i've like i got two scholarships in the past and it helped me pay for my exam and it's it's been really big for me but like only that financial support wouldn't have like, wouldn't have made me become a, a ski guide. Like there's so much other like factors that goes into it. And if you don't find like a mentor that you can really like chat to, um, or if you don't have like a community that like supports you or like keeps like asking you like, so how's it going? Like, where are you at now? Like what's coming up next? And like giving you gear and stuff. That's like, I was trying to take like, what are all the things that I needed uh, that I had that like enabled me to like do what I'm doing and how can I give that to someone else? So we've ended up with the RME scholarship and it just feels, yeah. I'm just really trying to utilize like the really like fortunate position that I'm in and give back to someone else. Yeah, and I like that you said it's, it's not always financial. Like that is a huge no. barrier, like for many people. Uh, but it's it's so much more than that. You could give someone, say, let's even just say, you know, a thousand dollars, and that doesn't mean they're gonna get the support they need. It's so much more. It's someone to call when they're like, just struggling with anything. Like it's just having a mentor, and that's such a hard thing to find, especially in our world. Where everyone just pretends that everything's fine. So. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's like, it's totally, yeah, I fully agree. And it's not, right? And I, when I first moved to Canada, I met up with this, like, uh, woman who is called Emily Stenberg. And she's a Swedish ski guide. And so basically, I'm, like, I ended up walking in her footprints. And I don't think, like, if I hadn't seen her do this before, like, I don't know if I would be where I'm at today. And then like, you know, I started going out as a practicum, basically like tail guiding for, for these full ski guides. And then started like tail guiding for like Christina Lustenberger. And then my friend, Jasmine Caden, who owns like Valhalla Mountain Touring Lodge, where I work now most of the time. And this, um, the super talented uh, mountain guide, Larry Dolecki, who owns like Icefall Lodge and a bunch of lodges. And like these people like believed in me when like I didn't even know if I believed in myself because they saw like a drive in me that like I just had fire and I was so, so stoked all the time that like I didn't know if I had what I needed to to 
become become certified but they really believe in me and I think like if they hadn't been there through all of like the hurdles and loops and hoops that I had to like jump through and over like there's no way I, I would have like stuck with it and I think that's something that unfortunately happens a lot is people like start their career and like they don't stick to it because they don't have like they don't have the community or someone who's like yeah it's gonna be fucking hard um, sorry, I'm not allowed. I'm not you sure. Can swear. Swear. You can swear. You can say whatever you want. Here we are. Perfect. Okay, great. Um, yeah, sorry. Sorry, people, if that's offended anyone. But um, yeah, I like, you know, there's just no way I would be here otherwise. So I just want to make sure that someone has someone who follows up on them. And when they're like, when they're falling off and when they're like having struggles, that there's someone there to like poke them and be like, hey, don't give up. Hey, keep going. Yeah, hey, it's, it's going to be hard, but get out of there. It's amazing how much that helps, right? Like it's it's so easy for us to believe in others. Like it's really easy for me to be like tell my friends that they got it. But like to tell me yeah. that I got it is sometimes hard. So for it's sure. like you just need to hear it. And I think with this podcast and this ski community in general, we talk about it a lot and we keep it pretty open, but like life's fucking hard. Um, now we can have other everybody mad because I swore now too, so I'll take some of the hate. <laughs> um, but life is hard, and we don't always talk about it. So it's whether it's ski guiding or getting a law degree or parenting. I don't know anything about parenting, but I see all my friends who are getting their butts kicked, and it's like, yeah, kids are dicks sometimes, and that's okay. Like they still dig you. You're just they're kids. Remember when you were a kid, you were a jerk. Like, you, and you just need somebody to tell you that, like. It's okay, and it's gonna be okay, and that's. It's funny that we need that, but it's so nice, especially when you find it in a community. Yeah, and I think like, you know, anyone who becomes a ski guide or a professional skier, for that matter, like we're gonna have extremely high standards on ourselves. So I think, what also comes with that is that like we're gonna be like extreme jerks and dicks towards ourselves a lot when we don't reach perfectionism and like that is me in a nutshell and like yeah my standards like are probably not like very helpful for me nor for anyone in my surrounding at, at times because they're so absurdly unreachable but if I didn't have those standards I wouldn't be where I'm at today so it's like a double-edged sword but sometimes you just need someone else to be like when you are not very nice to yourself someone else to be like you know it's okay You'll figure it out. Let's move on. Yeah, it's it's a hard one. It's definitely like community matters. And that's I don't think anyone listening would ever argue that is like any no. it all matters. I wanna ask yeah. a little swerve here, but not we're still staying on track. If you had to pick one, heli skiing or ski touring, guiding specifically, which one's which one's hard? What clientele is harder to deal with? Oh, I mean, I got to say heli skiing. And that's why I chose ski tour guiding as like my main livelihood. I just think like without generalizing based on pure my experiences <laughs> and other people's experiences might be different. But ski touring, I feel like people come in like with a bit of an understanding of mountain weather and the fact that like as much as like we as guides like to pretend that we're God, like we're not and I can't rule the weather. It just is what it is. 
Um, and they're just there for the whole experience, you know, like they're there for the ups, for the down, for the rant, for the sauna, for the beer, for the rolling naked in the snow afterwards, all of that. Versus like heli skiing, I feel like people like quite often have this like unrealistic idea of what a day in the mountain will be like. And it's not always bluebird powder and sunshine and mild temperatures with no winds. It's like, it's wind slab howling, howling winds. Like we can't fly, we can't land, we can hardly get out of the lodge. Like it's just like, it's that. And then also what comes with the price point of heli skiing is um, sometimes like, unrealistic expectations on like yeah they're just like never pleased you know they're never really happy so I had this year I'm taking a step away from heli ski guiding because I really struggled to not to deal with like people that came heli skiing were so <laughs> unhappy when weather wasn't great and I was just like but it's weather you know we can't I can't change this so it's, it's, it's just different no, it's funny you say that. Um, I had Carrie Smith on last week or two weeks ago, and she does some heli guiding, and she she basically said the same thing: is like you spend so much money on this heli skiing trip, and the expectation—it's the top of the pyramid, right? It's the mecca. Like you go heli skiing, and like the thing with heli skiing is, and like advertising is like you go heli skiing. Like there is no like you don't go heli skiing like there it's not like we talk about it, it's the top of the pyramid and what i what she said that i loved cuz i what i would have thought is that like rich people are just a pain in the ass to work with and she's like no the rich people it's a drop in the bucket for them to go so if they get told no they're like okay i'll go tomorrow but like me if i go and spend all that money and then I'm told I can't go is more likely, not me, but my income range is more likely to be a jerk because you're like, oh, this totally. cost me so much money. So like, it's such an interesting thing because we only think about the highs of, of heli skiing. I mean, it's, we only think about the highs of all skiing really, but it's. Yeah. The bucket listers, those, that's it. That's the it. People who are like, waited this entire life for this one trip. Yeah, but I think that's also us as a ski, like ski community, we've built this like unrealistic idea of what skiing is. And I get that all the time, you know, it doesn't really like that maybe becomes more heli skiing because because of, you know, how how easy it is to get into big terrain versus ski terrain, you got to work for it yourself. But I think we as a ski industry have built this like absurd idea, like of like what skiing really is like. Like I can't watch another ski movie that's about just how awesome it is and powder skiing again. Because it's like, it's not true. Like that is just not like, it's shitty weather. It's working really hard and getting turned around like the majority of the time to try and ski something cool. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's walking through a whiteout. It's like frostbiting your toes. It's like, oh shit, it actually rained to mountaintop. Like, you know, it's like, that is ski getting. It's like, spending months preparing for an expedition that then gets canceled because like you can't fly in and like you know that is skiing and I think like yeah like just the way we've like promoted skiing through like the industry and whether it's like movies or commercials or advertising or 
yeah, we've created this like uh, unrealistic lure of like this bluebird powder day where everything is just like holy and like yeah, people just like hold it on this pedestal and it's like, I don't know where they've been, but none of that is true to how I spend my time in the mountains. So. I hate to interrupt, but you know, I'm sitting here in the van, I'm looking at all like the awful cuts and edges and thinking about what my van build probably could have been if I went to alpinevans.com called my buddy Todd and had him build me a van these vans are built for four seasons that's the biggest difference folks if you're thinking about a van go to alpinevans.com four season vans we're skiers we're snowboarders we're mountain bikers we're surfers we need heat we need our clothes to dry we need our wetsuits to dry Todd over at Alpine Vans makes amazing products. Obviously, you've seen it in the 50 with Cody Townsend. Again, go to alpinevans.com, use their quote builder. Get an idea. See what you're looking at. Talk to Todd. Amazing human, amazing company, and amazing vans. And my final spiel for this episode, our friends over at Mammut. Avalanche equipment is extremely important. I think we all know that. It's a no-brainer. Head over to mammoot.com. Get yourself a Barry Vox. You guys know the tone, that beep, 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 beep. That's the sound of saving your life or saving your friend's life. Get the equipment. Get the Barry Vox. Get the probe. Get the shovels. And here's what I'm telling you. Don't just get them. Learn how to use them. Ask questions. Ask your friends. Education is sexy, people. Go to mammoot.com. Get yourself the gear. If you're looking for a code, DM me at Mr. MX. I'll get you a code, get you a super deal on all this stuff, and promise you, you will not beat this code. You will not beat this deal. Memmoot.com, DM at Mr. Max. Get you a code. Get yourself a Barry Vox. Back to the episode. Well, I think it's because you actually spend your time in the mountains, right? Like, it's, it's what we're sold. Like, we're sitting in front of a desk, 85% of the population, and they're they're looking at that five-day window that they have to fly across the country with their friends, and, like, no one's talking about how it's bad. No one's talking about this yeah. raining. Like, they're just telling you that it's going to be firing. Like, that's – and so it's – I get why. And, like, we can't advertise that it's bad, like, because there is so much good. But it is an interesting – I think you should make a ski film where it's just like all failures, like zero ski porn in the in the whole film. People just like what? Like that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> Without I, further ado, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. What? This is. I'm. I kind of jump. I kind of not. But. We talk about avalanche courses and people should take an avi course and like they should take an expert backcountry skiing course. From an educator standpoint, when should someone take a backcountry skiing course or an avi course or when's the right time to hire a guide in a situation? Oh, well, like if you're going to head out into the backcountry at all, like everyone should take their the like introduction avalanche course, like here we call it the AST one. I think they call it the airy one in the States, but like, it just, it just identifies what mountainous terrain is and what 
you're actually walking into and then like knowing how to use your gear obviously your avalanche safety gear but it's like kind of funny because you know you know avalanche safety gear is like your seat belt right and if you can't drive the car well you're probably going to crash a car and need your seat belt so the more important thing i mean we didn't like i grew up in the 90s we didn't have seat belts we were just like piling 15 people into the little volvo and we were driving to go like for a swim so like the driving skills were the more important rather than the seatbelt. And I think now, unfortunately, like there's so much emphasis on like your avalanche safety gear, which obviously you need to have, but you need to learn to drive. So understanding terrain and like learning to identify avalanche terrain and staying away from avalanche terrain and snowpack, that is like the number one thing you learn to do. So unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people are just like, okay, I've bought all of this gear and now I'm going backcountry skiing. And it's like, well, you know what? You'd probably be better off without that fancy text jacket and all the jazz you bought and just like buy the bare minimum avalanche safety gear and take an avalanche course and understand terrain. Like that's going to be better bang for your buck. So like understanding to identify avalanche terrain. And then, you know, if, if you're taking an avalanche course and you're still struggling with it, that's kind of when you would hire a guide because like our job is basically to manage terrain and manage people in terrain at, at times. Like we can't change the snowpack. We can't change the weather. So all we're doing is like managing terrain and people in terrain and exposure. I love that analogy, that seatbelt analogy. I was like, this is wrong. And then you dove into it and I was like, that makes sense to me. Okay, I'm glad because I use it a lot. That's a great analogy. <laughs> like it's, if you don't know how to drive the car, that's the important part. The the seatbelt is like if all else fails. Um, but it is interesting, like the assumed safety because you have a Beacon Shovel probe. And it's like, well, if you don't know how to use it, it does nothing. Absolutely nothing. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, it, and I mean, if you get into terrain you shouldn't be in, you're going to unfortunately need to use it, and that's ideally what you want to stay away from, right? Yeah, and so much of what I see is like, oh, well, you know, my buddy's an expert. And I'm like, yeah, but you have to dig your buddy out. Or like like yeah. everyone needs, and you're never an expert, right? That's, I think that's like education 101. It's like you never, people get caught, experts get caught. Like they're never, Mother Nature will always win. Gravity always wins. Like that's just, Unfortunately, it's a it's a hard, sad truth in our sport. But it doesn't matter if your friend's an expert. Like you might have to save your friend. So like you need to have as much knowledge and learn and be willing to evolve and adapt. And I think, you know, some of the greatest mountaineers, climbers, they're great at failure. I think that's really hard for people to understand. And like you being a guard, a guide, failure might be to your clientele is you turning around, but that you made the right decision, but like you failed them as like, you didn't get them up in the mountains, but like, that's how you stay safe. And that's how you keep your clients safe. Maybe fails the wrong term, but like, that's what it is. Yeah, totally. I mean, you didn't like. It's really hard, right? Because like we end up in this like emotional dilemma and like these like human factor traps where like you really want to please your guests and then like maybe you're not gonna you're less likely to turn around the more pushy your guests are because 
because you just like want to deliver a good day so like it's like yeah it's really an interesting like topic and like what i try and talk to people about quite often is like you know in all avalanche accidents we have and have had like people always like focus on snowpack and they're always like oh yeah like what was the stability that day but actually like you know like in every case when you read about the accident then the human factors was equally as influential on the decision making or at on the outcome so to speak than as like the snowpack was so you know like quite often like it's both the snowpack but it's also like the decision you make and the decisions you make are largely going to be influxed or um they're going to be pivoting depending on like who you're with and the group dynamics and like all of these other things so like we're trying now really hard um in the Avalon association to like focus a lot more on like heuristic traps or human factors as we call them because they have equally as big of an impact on avalanche accidents as snowpacking conditions do yet we like don't really learn about them I was just going to say, do they teach you any of that? Like, okay, you can know all the snow science, but, like, you have to deal with humans. Like, you have to deal yeah. with clientele and how to manage them and how to manage your group. Is that where the mentorship comes into play? Yeah, and, like, yeah, totally. Mentorship comes into play hugely there. I think just, like, there's such, like, you know, like some people like to say that there's no specific, per like all personalities are welcome and guiding and they totally are, but there's like definitely certain like personality traits that you need to have. And like, I think quite often, like I can come across as pretty like stern or cold or like really intense. And I think it's because like you need to have a personality strong enough that like if everyone disagrees with you, you're still not going to budge, right? So, you know, if people still want to go and I'm like, have made a decision to turn around and people start questioning me, then, you know, that can't influence my decision making at all. So that is something that's like kind of interesting as a guide. But in the professional avalanche courses, we do learn about the heuristic traps, but they're pretty new and they haven't quite like trickled down into like the recreational avalanche courses enough yet. So hopefully we're getting there soon. It's such a, I don't have many words because it's such an interesting, like, there's so many things that you guys are managing as guides. Yeah. Like, you're looking at the weather, you're looking at your crew who, like, you know on a perfect day you can make it to the top and down safely, taking weather out of it. Like, you have the physical skill set to get up and down. Like, you don't know what you're being served when they're like, okay, you have Jimmy, you have Kelly, you have Brad and Chad. And you're like, okay, what's your ability level? How do you – so I guess my question is, is there a story you can tell about, like, the worst client you've ever had? Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, it's like this person, oh my God, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, basically, <laughs> first of all, they refused to get into a car with me because they thought I wasn't legally allowed to drive because I look pretty young. And then second of all, they're like the classic, like, don't tell me what to do personality, 
which like you know usually is back off which is also like always like a female male dynamic that yeah it's kind of like have learned to like accept what it is now and not try and stir up and then like this person like was really hung over and we were cat skiing and it's like hot and steamy in the back of the cat so the, we were stopping and the person like really needed to go to the washroom and they were like kind of like asked me is like where's the closest tree and i'm like kind of like looking at him because like we're casting we're in trees and i'm just like you know like what do you mean like just like go to like there's trees everywhere and he's like no no like where's the closest tree and i'm like i mean there's a tree right here and he goes behind and like drops his pants and i'm like okay like whatever like i guess he's just like motion sick or something and like we're waiting for him forever and then he comes back to he comes back to the cat and he was wearing like one of those like like onesies that was really like hip at one point <laughs> and he comes back to the cat and like like one of the other guests is like like we start like he jumps in and we start going and they're kind of like it's kind of like smells kind of awful like what is that smell and the person is like i'm looking at him and he's like stone-faced dead panning and like after a while i was just like like telling the cat driver being like you know go to the closest run we gotta stop like something's up here and like i uh, everyone jumps out and i'm like talking to him and i'm like hey sorry but like do you need toilet paper or like you know like what's going on here like sorry but it's like it smells are you okay and like he turns around and he's like somehow managed to shit all in the hood of his onesie Oh, good. So he's like dropped the onesie, <laughs> shat in the hood of his onesie, and like put just put it back on. And like, there's no way he couldn't smell it. Like that stuff's like lingering at his neck, like wafting into his face. And he is like deadpan. And I basically had to tell him that like you can't ski anymore today. We're gonna you got we're gonna drive you home. <laughs> like you're out of here. And he was so angry with me. But I'm like, dude, you just shat in your hood. Yeah, what do you expect? I don't know. So that's definitely the worst client I've ever had. That that should be like, I don't know. We're gonna make like a YouTube short about that. Like that is like an insane experience. Like this guy shit in the hood of his jacket and then got back in the cat. And just deadpanned. Like just deadpanned, pretended like like I couldn't have done that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. Like how did he not like burst out crying or laughing? I don't get it. Yeah, like I would have walked in and been like, guys, sorry, I drank a lot last night. I shit my hood. I cleaned it the best I could. Can we please just go skiing? Like if anyone has a knife, like I'll cut the hood off and like, please. Totally. I'm at a low. We're all human. We've all been there. Please help me. Yeah, but it was like, you know, like 13 adrenaline driven dudes in their like early 30s, mid 20s. I was like in my young 20s at the time. And I'm just like, I don't care. You just shat in your hood, you're out of here. Yeah, you're out. Do you still see, like, it's 2023. You still mm-hmm. see men that go out there and, like, don't want to listen to you because you're female? Every day. Every day. It hasn't really changed a lot, to be honest. How? I think. Go ahead. Yeah. What's changed probably is, like, my attitude towards it. Like, some people like watching like reality TV and like I'm fortunate enough that like my job sometimes is like live streaming reality TV where you're just like kind of got to laugh at it and you kind of just got to take it with a kick. Otherwise you like, you get like defeated or like depressed pretty easily. So 
I don't know. You just, you just can't take it at that face value. You just gotta be like, well, I'm not gonna change this person. So I'm gonna choose where I wanna work, where I feel the most comfortable and then like move on, which is also why I'm taking a step away from Halloween this year. Yeah, very ego-driven, I am sure. But it's so, like, fucking get over it. Like, I don't know. Some of my greatest teachers were female. Like, why wouldn't that? How does it? I always say, like, everyone has someone to teach someone, male or female. Like, the, the simplest and dumbest example is my niece, who's four, can teach me all about Bluey. Whether I care about Bluey or not is irrelevant. But, like, she knows something that I don't. And I've been on this earth a lot longer than she has. So it's like, why can't we just, like, shut up and listen? Like, just learn from people. Who cares if they're male or female or how they identify? Like, it blows my mind. I'll never understand it to this day. Like, I don't – I think I actually learn better from females because I don't have, like, this ego trip against, like, the guys. Like, guys in a room are always, like – I don't know. It's so bizarre when I hear that. And I, it sucks that you have to go through that. And, like, I don't know. I can apologize all I want. But, like, it's fucked. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. But, like I said, it's just, like, I don't know. If you look at it as a comedy show that's, like, live reality TV, it definitely becomes quite entertaining instead. And then you're just hoping that, like, the generational shift slowly happening and that eventually one day we'll come out the other end happily ever after all together. Yeah. Hopefully. Right. Like that's the, yeah, that is the goal. Yeah. Uh, I kind of, yeah. And then just like being a good role model and like, I feel like the less I'm faced by it, the more people start to like change too. just, you know? Yeah. It just sucks that you even have to think about it. But that's, unfortunately, the shitty world we live in at times. It, I don't know. I go. I, this is where yeah. I go into really bizarre, not bizarre, but just random questions. So uh, I hope you're ready for them. So yeah. Um, what is your most used emoji? Oh, definitely the two girls in like black, like bikinis or whatever they are with the bunny ears that are standing like next to each other that one and what does that mean uh i don't know i send it to my girlfriends a lot when you're like i hear you or like same same or like i understand where you're coming from that's that's what that means okay uh if you were to be famous for something other than skiing what would you be famous for i think i know the answer to this but Ballet. Yeah, that was my dance, that dance. was my guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a karaoke song? No, karaoke gives me like serious anxiety. It's like I can't sing at all. Like not even happy birthday. I'm the one who will like say happy, and then I'll just start like <laughs> like like moving my lips without actually singing because <laughs> it gives me. You just lip sync happy birthday at your. Let's sing happy birthday. Uh, if you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what meal would it be? Ah, oh, potatoes. I just love potatoes. Any kind of potatoes, really. But, like, give me – you just potatoes in general, like French fries, <laughs> potato chips. No, uh, like, twice I don't know, baked mashed potatoes. potatoes, potato wedges, 
smashed potatoes. Smashed Pemberton potatoes. Okay. Have you ever it's had so. mashed potatoes as a pocket snack? I have not. I've had a lot of smashed potatoes and potato wedges, boiled potatoes, especially in the summer, boiled potatoes. It's kind of like one of the only things I can stomach sometimes if I do really high cardio output. Potatoes? That seems like potatoes. a heavy like carb load there. But they're like pretty easy to eat in chunks, vitamin C, potassium. I mean, you're they're pitching great. this. You really, really pitching this to me. Uh, what's the weirdest food you've ever eaten? The weirdest food I've ever eaten? Oh, like haggies. Haggies? Yeah. What is that? Is that what it's called? It's like the sheep stomach stuff oh. in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't try it. Basically bunch of intestines. Yeah, I don't want sheep that. Sheep intestines. I don't, yeah. I don't want that at all. Um, favorite fruit? Favorite fruit? Oh, mango. Dried mango or like mango? Like mango mango, but also dried mango. I prefer dried mango over mango, I think. That's fair. Yeah. Are you, My go-to ski train snack. Are you a podcast or a playlist person? Uh, playlist. Sorry. Now I'm, I'm a podcast girl, I guess. I'm not offended. I promise you I'm not offended. <laughs> um, what... What's on your playlist? What are you listening to? That we would know. Don't go like every time I ask this question, the guest goes into like some weird subgenre that like no one is gonna know. Like, give me something <laughs> I, that we might know. I like absolutely love country music. I don't know why. It's like it's like not a thing growing up in Sweden. But coming here, like when I first landed, it was the only thing on the radio. And at that point, I had a cheap, shitty car, so it's all I could get. So I just love country. What was the name of your first car? My first car? It was a Volvo V70. Did you Didn't name really it? have a name. No uh -uh. name. It's, just, it's a Volvo. Volvo is just a Volvo. Yeah, you don't have to name the V70. V70 is kind of yeah. like, that was a current model. I was thinking like you'd be in like an 850 or something. No, V70. All right. Bougie. Yeah. Bougie. Very it had like a lot of kilometers on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but they're... They're pretty bulletproof. Yeah. Uh, what um, Netflix show are you binging? Oh, Stranger Things. It's so good. Have you not seen it? Like you're just catching up? Yeah, I guess I don't really watch TV. So I suddenly ended up um, with some time off due to some illness. And yeah, I've just watched. I'm on season three right now. It's really good. Okay, I didn't get it's into weird. it. I watched like the first two, and then because everyone just kept telling me how great it was, I don't know. Maybe I got to give it another chance, but I just couldn't. I just didn't. Mm. It's really weird. I like weird. It is weird. Uh, what is your din setting? My din setting, six or seven. Six. I'm, like, I'm 125 pounds. Yeah, but you're and good. And I need too many things. Yeah, but I've turned many too many things. If you ski centered, you don't need more din than that. You only need more din than that if you're not going to ski centered. Oh, you are calling me out. I need my dins at like 20 because I've never <laughs> ski centered in my life. <laughs> Ever have I skied Fair centered. Enough. Fair enough. If I'm skiing yeah. centered, something's wrong. I'm like something I, I got lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I guess, you know, I just don't ski to resort. I think I ski the resort two or three times a year, maybe. So 
That's Every amazing. time I do, I'm just like consistently terrified. But back injury, you usually can get by with six or seven. Are you just terrified of people hitting you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 100%. And when people do like the erratic turning too. Oh, it's out of like, control. They don't ski straight. They like go from like skiing on the left side and then suddenly they decide they're going to go all the way over to the right side where you're skiing and then suddenly you almost ski into them. It's terrifying. Yeah, there's no farming on, like you don't farm out a hill. You just ski the whole thing and just trash it. Oh, man. It makes me so frustrated. Ski straight. Ski falling. Come on, guys. No, I love it. I absolutely love it. Just <laughs> chaos. That's like the best part about resorts. Oh, yeah. Maybe I should go to the to the east side. It'll be some good, like, therapy for me. Well, it's just ca- like once – it's like the sitcom thing, right? Like what you were talking about. You just, like, look at this yeah. as a comedy and, like, you're on the chairlift and there's just chaos. Like, it's just pure, utter madness. And you're like, this is amazing. And I, then you get to be in it. You have to be part of Man, it. I do miss that about ski patrolling. That was like the best part. Oh, it's got to be out of control. Oh, yeah. The full tux from Edmonton. That was my favorite. Yeah. You just pure chaos. I love it. Yeah. Uh, hidden talents. Oh, hidden talents. I don't know. Sleeping. Sleeping is my superpower. I can sleep inconveniently kind of everywhere at any time. Really? Yeah. But do you have the ability to stay awake? Or like you like no. sit down and you just God, go no. down? I just pass out. I got like <laughs> car collapse. I got serious car collapse. If I'm not driving, I just pass out. That's is that a, I like that term, car collapse. I'm not sure if it's a thing. No, it's I'm pretty a thing good now. at swinglish, so it's a thing now. Yeah, you've yeah. you've named it. I'm I'm a huge fan of that. Car collapse. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> Uh, what's what's next for you? What are you going to do? Like, okay, you're an ACMG apprentice ski guide, right? Certified ACMG yeah. apprentice ski guide. What do you do next? Well, hopefully I can do my full year this spring. And then after that, I would technically be done my certifications um, for now. And then I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm wondering the same thing. Maybe I'll maybe I'll dive into being the full mountain guide. Maybe I'll focus more on my summer gig. Maybe I'll move somewhere different for a bit. Go guide in northern Norway. I'm not sure. Yeah. I love that. What but skiing is in your future. Because you're a pivoter, so yeah. I don't know. Like I see like you can just be like, I'm done skiing. I've done it. I figured it out. Now I'm out of the next. No, I think I'm like, I've been in Canada and working hosting and ski touring for a long time. So I'd like to do something else, whether it's like maybe going to Chile or Patagonia for a couple of years or yeah, something, something new, but skiing is going to stay. Do you, do you think you like the education part of it or you're still in it for the skiing? I'm for sure still in it for the skiing. I refuse to be one of those ski guides who doesn't like skiing anymore. If you ever catch me, or if anyone ever catches me not liking skiing because I ski guide too much, then then pull me out of there. <laughs> Give me a slap. Then get me I'll out of it. there. Um, where can people... I want to talk a little bit just on the closer here kind of about the RMU scholarship. Uh, you give it to one person per year, correct? Yeah. Yeah, applications are open till March 31st. 
and the recipient will be announced on May 1st. And it's open to anyone in Canada um, to apply for. And what are the, what's the secret to getting picked? So everyone listens to The secret to getting picked. Oh, it's not, it's not very hard. I'm, try, I'm trying to make it super easy. Basically, you just need to prove financial need, which is if you're a ski bum and living in any of the ski towns, pretty easy. <laughs> um, and the other one is just showing commitment. Because, like I said, like sticking with it is like probably the hardest thing with ski guiding. And so if you have fire and dedication, then just show me that fire and that's going to be the ticket. And what's the application process? It's a super easy online form. It's on RMU's website under RMU Scholarship. It's like a Google form that you fill out. It'll take you like five or ten minutes. And... I find people usually like don't spend that five or 10 minutes doing it, but basically consider it. You'll get paid potentially $2,500 and have a scholarship for 10 minutes of your time. So if that's not worth your time, I'm not sure what is. Do they get bonus points if they send you like a real world road rules, like entry tape to your DMS? (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh. I think we covered everything. I think we nailed it. I'm looking at my list. I think we covered, yeah, we crushed that. We've got the scholarship. We've got what you're doing next. We've got the enabler series. We've got, yeah, I think we I think we actually knocked this one out of the park, and we're at 56 minutes, so we crushed it. Uh, is there anything, Great. any people you want to thank, sponsors to thank, um, and where can we follow you? That's the most important. We all have to talk about social media. Where can people find Sophia? Oh, you can find me on Instagram on Sophia Forsman's Sophia with an F, the Swedish spelling. Um, and honestly, you can email me as well. But if you email me, I'm most likely going to think that it's work related and not get back to you for a very long time with the excuse. I'm in the back country. <laughs> um, I don't have cell service, which is like, honestly, mostly not true. Uh, not that I'm not in the back country, but the fact that I don't have cell service. But um, yeah, that's the easiest way to, to find me for sure. Um, yeah, you can find me with Stellar Equipment or with RMU. I'm in Squamish right now and on the West Coast. And if anyone ever has like backcountry related questions, like uh, it, this isn't some kind of hierarchy where I'm going to think your questions are stupid or you can't ask me anything. So please do like everyone starts somewhere. So fire, fire questions at me. Uh, I'd love to answer. I love that because I think people are so intimidated by this that they they like almost choose ignorance. It's like, no, ask questions. Oh, yeah. And I, I like try to tell people that all the time. Like, you know, like we're like a, a pretty quick elitist like group of people that I hang out with. But it's like everyone's just people. Like it doesn't matter like whether you're like a massive name and you have like all these badges and medals on your wall. Like everyone is just people and. Like, if they're worthy of your attention, they'll be nice to you. And if they're not, then, like, no matter who they are and what their title is, then move on. I mean, it's as simple as that. Uh, Sophia, thank you. Thank you for taking an hour. Thank you for reaching out. That's, like, my favorite thank when you, people Adam. do that. 